0: What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Thursday, June the 7th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, back to practice we go. We've got updates from the Wednesday practice, including some winners, plenty of press conferences, and did they tip their hand at all in regards to their plans with this roster and depth chart going forward? All of that and much more. But first, I have to remind you guys go and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review once you are there. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked fins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com for your daily written Dolphins content needs. And of course, last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all that local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have a ton of pressers and practice notes to get to, so let's go ahead and kick this thing off right now. That's another Miami Dolphins. First segment on the podcast today, we are just going to get you guys up to date on some of the happenings around the practice field, the news and nuggets, if you will. Up first, the same guys that missed yesterday, uh, Leonte Carew and Jordan Lucas, both missed practice again, but Thomas Duarte, who suffered a shoulder injury in Tuesday's practice, did not practice on Wednesday, so the Dolphins are now down three guys, all reserves and potential guys that may not make the roster, nonetheless, three guys missing camp. And Kiko Alonso was giving a day off a quote unquote rest day for him as he was working on the side as the team was working in nickel packages. And you kind of hope that's a sign maybe Jerome Baker can get some cracks at taking that job away from Kiko in the nickel package this season. Sounds like the punt return job is up for grabs. The two primary guys right now, Danny Amendola and Jakeem Grant, I imagine those will be the guys going forward with Jakeem Grant kind of being the return specialist with Amendola being the fair catch specialist. As you guys will recall, Jarvis Landry caught a lot of the punts when the opposition was punting from inside the 50 or close to midfield where they would put you down around near the goal line, and a fair catch was most likely the outcome of the play. So, Dole's going to run that stuff. Sounds like... Albert Wilson, Drew Morgan, and even Kenyon Drake were back catching punts. I'm not too sure about the latter, but all of those guys are getting some work and we have plenty of options to return punts. Joe Shad tweeted out that if you didn't have a program at today's practice, you would have said to yourself, who the heck is number 33? And it sounds like Kalen Balazs, the rookie running back out of Arizona State, is finding his footing early. Shouldn't be much of a surprise. If you guys recall a podcast about a month ago after the draft, we had his former coach at Arizona State, or former assistant coach at Arizona State, I should say, Coach Brendan Marion, talking about Kalen Balazs, the type of player and young man that he is. A very high character, very hardworking player. So good to hear that he is Acclimating very quickly to the Miami Dolphins offense and team. And the Beat Rider's top performers of the day were Jakeem Grant. This is from Barry Jackson, so I don't want to say the entire. Group of beat writers, but Jakeem Grant really seemed to blow the doors off people today and really has everyone impressed by him, and he was very impressive at his press availability as well, and we'll get to that here in the next segment. Davies Calhoun, the undrafted free agent corner, had himself a nice day, apparently. Robert Quinn continues to get tons of praise from this coaching staff for his get-off. It sounds like between he and Cameron Wigg, the Dolphins might have two of the fastest get-off pass rush defensive ends in the NFL. And lastly, TJ McDonald gets himself some pub today. Apparently he had a pass that he broke up that led to a Rashad Jones interception in the team portion of practice. And then last note on the practice today, Jason Sanders, the field goal kicker from New Mexico State, the rookie who had a very nice day yesterday at 7 for 7 with a 56-yard field goal, missed four kicks today. So a very down day after a very big day. So probably going to be what we see throughout the course of the season with this kicking team. You hope it's better than that, but you just never really know with these guys. It's such a fluid position and so volatile to different types of performances each and every single day. And the last note here was a note from Adam Beasley, the beat writer for the Sun Sentinel, I want to say. He was talking about Ryan Tannehill and the offense and how they struggled yesterday in the heat, couldn't really get things going, and their conditioning was not up to snuff. That's obviously why they do this stuff, and they try to do it at the hottest point of the day, it's particularly on Tuesday's practice was later off in the day. Wednesday's was back in the morning. But they talked about how the Dolphins weren't acclimated to the heat yet, and it brought back a column that I wrote in April, when the schedule came out, and it was a clip with Lewis Riddick talking about how teams melt in Miami in the fourth quarter because of the heat, and even last that way up until December, as teams coming down from the north in the cold are not used to the 70-80 degree heat that you get in Miami late in the year, but also in September, obviously, when it is just absolutely wilting, and Ryan Tannehill talked about this in his availability with Tiffany Blackman yesterday of NFL Network talking about how the team has to get ready for this type of heat and use this home field advantage to their advantage because it is one of the big things they have in their back pocket as far as a home field advantage. And it brought back that column that I wrote. I tweeted it out. You can find it on LockedOnDolphins.com. It's titled September and October in Miami. Talking about how the Dolphins, basically, when they get those games that get lost to London, it really, really prohibits their record going forward in the season. And those are the years where they have seven, six wins. Whereas the years where they have all those home games, they typically fare better because in the September, October home games, they have a 571 winning percentage compared to all other games. So non-home games and all home games in November and December, where they are 442 winning percentage team so a big difference there a big discrepancy and it sounds like they're getting back and getting back into shape today and practice was a lot better and a lot more smooth the offense was in better rhythm it sounds like and the defense continues to fly around to the ball, rotate through, showing guys their speed. They are a team that's very, very focused on speed this year. And that should be expected based on what we saw in the draft with all the athletic scorecards of the guys they brought in. But there is one more day of practice that is today. As you guys listen to this podcast on Thursday, I am recording on Wednesday. But this one on Wednesday was very open and very available to the media. And we'll get to those press conferences from the media next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins so as practice wrapped up and the Dolphins got off the field, went into the press availability room, talking to the media, and there were several guys that took to the pre- to the podium, as well as a couple of coaches, both in Darren Rizzi and Matt Burke and Dowell Loggins all got to the podium there. But let's we'll start off with Devontae Parker. He's been one of the more lightning rod types of players over the last few years for this team, and his press conferences, just, they're bland. They're not, they're not... You're not going to get anything from them. doesn't have a very strong vocabulary. He seems very shy, very insecure in himself. Doesn't really speak clearly. It just seems like it's a very tough thing for him to do to get in front of the microphone. He's had the same cliches you'll hear from most guys. He's been here every day working out. He ignores what anyone says outside of the building. Just ignore all of it. Staying healthy is the priority. If you're not healthy, you just have to fight through it and play through it. You put pressure on yourself. That's the only place where pressure comes from. He mentioned that he works out with Jakeem every single day and that he actually regularly second in the GPS speed at 20.9 miles per hour at his highest speed in practice. So sounds like they're doing a lot of things with finding out that speed like we talked about in the first segment. But Devontae Parker, just as boring of an interview as you can find, which was really pale in comparison to Jakeem Grant, who stepped up next. And Jakeem made a mention about Devontae Parker. They asked him a lot of questions about Devontae Parker. And he said that Devontae is in front of him on the depth chart and he's competing against everyone on the roster. And he is totally ready to roll this year. He knew that Albert Wilson and Danny Amendola coming in just means he has to compete against these guys. And it's time to show up and time to show that the end of last year was more a regular occurrence rather than a fluke occurrence. He just had a really great attitude about the competition and what he's supposed to do every single day in his job. They bring guys in. It gives the offense more weapons and gives him more guys to compete with, which makes him a better football player. All those guys bring in a lot of energy and playmaking ability. He mentioned that he's learning all the coverages from Danny Amendola, picking his brain every single time out that he sits next to him in the meeting rooms, asking Danny, hey, what coverage was that right there on that play? What are you seeing? Help me with his read. It helps him get his reads and converting his routes when it comes to a when you have different conversions you can do at the stem of that route, trying to find out which direction you have to go as these routes have options on them. Just in general, he says he feels a lot smoother, feels much more confidence, finally has a full grasp on the playbook going into his third year. Doesn't really have to think about it anymore. Can just go out and react and play. And, He talked a lot about certain things you do in the offense, having to find his edge because of the height, how he has to get a lot stronger, being able to block safeties, fight off press release, the hand fighting at the line of scrimmage, holding his landmark. We talk about that a lot on my Twitter video breakdowns where I break down the Dolphins offensive plays. Finding a landmark and getting off that spot and in and out of that spot fluidly is a big part of playing receiver. And the cornerback is obviously trying to prevent you from doing that. So he has a very sound grasp on what he has to do as a professional and as a wide receiver. Talked about that strength a lot more. Said that having three kids gives him that quote unquote daddy strength. Thought that was pretty funny. Got a good laugh out of the entire room. He rolled his confidence from the strong end of the year last year into the offseason, just knowing that if he can make those kinds of big plays, why can't he do that every single play? So that's his mindset going forward. And just a very enlightening young man. And fun to hear him talk. They asked a lot about Devonte Parker, like I mentioned. He said that Devontae has to get out of his comfort zone, and it's, he's fully right. Devontae is very insecure in himself when he speaks to the media, and just I, I just think maybe he's a little bit emotionally immature. Of course, he's in his young twenties; that's going to happen. I was the same way. But he said that Devonte is a sharp route runner, has great hands. The injuries, you know, everyone talks about him, but Devontae Parker is a beast. He said any ball that comes his way is coming down. He's going to come down with it. He's attacking the game much stronger than he did last year. His approach this year is way different than it was last year. So yet again, another off-season trope talking about Devontae Parker. Just getting kind of sick of hearing that. I guess we'll see it before we believe it. And last thing uh, Jakeem Grant mentioned was that he is hands down the fastest player on this team. Which, of course, has been a running theme throughout the course of OTAs, talking about who has the speed and talking about guys that have speed. This guy is not one of them. Vincent Taylor went to the podium as well, had a very brief talk with the media, started off talking about Ndama Kinsu, as these guys seemed to ask these defensive linemen. Devon Godshot got the same thing and how he learned a lot from Ndama Kinsu. He was a great teammate, didn't want to say anything poorly about Ndama Kinsu. And that is also a very tough task to replace a guy like that. His goal this season is to just improve. He said he had two block kicks last year. He definitely can tell he wants to get that in. Was known for blocking kicks in college. He wants to increase that number. It's going to be tough, but good luck, Vincent. He wants to get some sacks and some tackles, obviously. Any way he can help this team, he will do it. He thinks they are playing a more attacking, aggressive style this year up front. So he's looking forward to getting in on that. And then Cordray Tankersley also spoke talking about the cornerbacks and how all these guys have been given reps out there. And his mindset is to become the best cornerback in the league. That's what he is focused on, how he is doing it. He has his goals set very high because he knows he's played with the best back in college as well as the NFL. And he's just trying to adjust to the speed of the game, something that was a bit of a hurdle for him last year, which you wouldn't always know it because he had a lot of plays where he was ahead of the curve in terms of finding things out from peeling off in zone coverage, finding his man, going off and getting into another man's area, into another passing lane, just really flew in the way he did things last year at certain times. The media then asked him what was the main difference from this year's team compared to last year's team. He says this year has a lot more mature people willing to step up and compete. That was the biggest difference is that guys are just more in tune with what the coaching staff wants this year. And then he models his game after Xavier Howard, who is a, a big, strong, and the best part of this quote was that he's proven he's a lockdown corner. So Xavier Howard sounds like he is the guy this year going forward as the number one cornerback on the team. We'll get into some more stuff that Matt Burke talked about in regards to the cornerback competition, as well as the rotation, and who's looking to get reps. We'll have plenty more on that in the next segment here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL, at Locked Fins, and of course, LockedOnDolphins.com. All right, a little bit different structure on the show today. We've got some more for you guys here in the third segment talking about the coaches that spoke to the media and Matt Burke. We talked about the cornerback rotation and what they're looking at doing there with Cordray Tankersley. They came out today and announced that Basically, Xavier Howard has the right cornerback job locked up. We expected that, but the other job, the left cornerback job, is up for grabs between Cordray Tankersley, Bobby McCain, the newly signed, quote-unquote, new money, Bobby McCain, And of course, Tony Lippett coming back from the Achilles injury, who was practicing again today, but moving a little bit slowly. Matt Berg spoke to the media more about Mika Fitzpatrick, saying that he is as advertised. He met with his position coach last night at 9.30 at the building. So a very early morning today, a long day yesterday, obviously. Always working hard to get ahead. Just been around the football and gotten his hands on a few of those balls. So Mika Fitzpatrick turning heads like we all expected him to do at practice. And one of the media members asked Matt Berg how much you can tell from these guys when they're not in pads. Speaking specifically about the defensive line guys, he said nothing. And then the whole room laughed. He got a bunch of laughs for himself there. He kind of has that dad joke vibe to himself. He tries to get some cheap laughs here and there. This stuff at practice is more movement-based and more trying to find out the mental side of things right now. How fast are these guys picking things up? They will make no final evaluations until they actually start playing real football and start hitting people. Somebody asked about the undrafted guys that he's been most impressed by. The first guy he mentioned was Jalen Davis, specifically asked about how he competed at the nickel position in the secondary. Mike McCray and Case and Collins also got some mentions as UDFAs there. And for the most part, he kept things close to his vest. He's not going to give you a whole lot from an interview. These coaches are better trained at doing that, as more so than the players are. So I find the players' press conferences to typically be a little bit more interesting because the coaches know how to navigate it to where they can spin their own narrative, whereas players tend to be a little bit more honest. But Charles Harris leaked something out the other day in his press availability talking about the package of the defensive line, how they might rotate it in. And my good buddy, Kevin Dern, frequently on the podcast, frequently mentioned on the podcast, talked about the idea of the Alpha Alpha versus Bravo line. And basically one of them is a pass rushing line, the starting defensive line. The other one is a run stuffing defensive line. And you can definitely rotate back and forth between these two, but he mentioned it through Charles Harris that they're going with Robert Quinn, Jordan Phillips, Akeem Spence, and Cameron Wake. So a very veteran line in that group. And then the Bravo run defensive end, defensive group should be Charles Harris, Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor, and William Hayes. And you consider the construction of that second group. That's three second-year players out there that you can expect a lot of reps from this year with William Hayes kind of holding it down. Like I said, this stuff can get shuffled through for the most part, but I think that right now your starting defensive line is Robert Quinn, Jordan Phillips, Akeem Spence, and Cam Wake spinning it back over to the offense. Actually, let's go ahead and start with the special teams real quick. Darren Rizzi had one comment that I thought was worth writing down and telling you guys, talking about Rayquan McMillan on special teams. He talked a lot about kickers, and I I just don't really care to convey to you guys what his thoughts were on the kickers and punters today, but he said that if you are drafted in the first or 90th round, it doesn't matter. If you're a rookie linebacker, you are going to play special teams. So the Rayquan McMillan thing last year, no regrets on that. It was a freak injury, and it just happened. So here we are with that going forward. Probably going to see him doing some more work on that side as well in 2018. And then Dow Loggins, the offensive side of the football Again, the coaches don't give you a whole lot, but he mentioned that he was super impressed with Albert Wilson and Danny Amendola. Both are trustworthy, quarterback-friendly receivers and very, very hard workers that fit the makeup This guys are trying to build in regards to Adam Gaze, Dow Loggins, and the entire staff. Makes a lot of sense. Those are the two top guys they signed at the skill positions in free agency. Signed them immediately when free agency opened, so that came up right away. Loggins also praised the way Adam Gaze came up through the system or came up through the ranks that he did it in a very unique way by just grinding and working. And he believes that's how everyone else should do it too. So he kind of is imposing his or projecting his beliefs onto these players. They talked about the tight end position. He said that Durham is a Y specifically a Y tight end and Mike is a little bit more unique in the things he can and cannot do. And they're going to work through to find out what these guys can do and get them in the best position to succeed. As the season goes along, like we talked about yesterday's podcast, the tight end position is very tough for these rookies because there are three elements of the game they have to learn. And they have to be well versed in them before they can get on the field. So very tough for those guys to make that happen. He talked about Devontae Parker, as everyone did, said that they graded him out very highly in Chicago when he was there. He's impressed with his work ethic. He spent a lot of time in the building in the offseason. And he thinks that he's put in the work necessary to get the results this year. The difference between a 13 and three and six and 10 teams that he has been on, he's been on both teams, uh, good and bad. And the difference is that the veterans hold people accountable. And that on Tuesday's practice, it wasn't the best for the offense. They were missing some small things. It was creating some sloppiness and they wanted to get in there and get ahead of it and urge the guys like Ryan Tannehill, Dan Kilgore, Frank Gore, Josh Sitton, Danny Amendola, that this has to become your team to convey to these guys, what we want to convey to you. And if, We can say as much as we want. These guys aren't going to listen unless you guys do it on the field. So it's up to these older veteran players on the offense to hold the other guys accountable. So a very good system in working there. And he mentioned that's the way Adam Gase built this team. He built the team that he wanted to coach guys that will do things the right way and just put a stop to any sloppiness that happens during the course of a practice or whatever it might be. Also, Dow Loggins would not commit to a wide receiver rotation. I don't know how you can. This group is so up in the air right now. They don't know what it's going to be. And we'll finish up with that here in a second on the podcast. But first, the running backs. He talked about how he wants guys that can play all three downs. That you don't have to worry about taking them off the field in certain situations. Like you just, it just you have the guy out there and he goes and he plays. There's no worrying about personnel grouping because a guy can't do certain things. And he feels he has that in the big guys, the quote big guys like Kenyon Drake and Kalen Bullock. And he believes those guys are both interchangeable in that regard. And then a cool note from him talking about a player that made the biggest jump from week 1 to week 2 was Jesse Davis thought that he looked a lot better this week than he did last week says that Laramie Tunzel and Jawan James are freakishly athletic and they look so good on the outside over there and going against Robert Quinn every single day is completely invaluable for these guys so going back to the wide receiver rotation something something else that Kevin Dern once again very good friend of the podcast how's it going out there in Cincinnati Kevin hope things are well for you talking about if I he's asked me if I had to pick who the starting wide receivers are in 11 personnel, who would they be? And I, I told him an answer and I'm going to change it on you, Kev. I'm going to go with what you told me because I had Jakeem Grant at the X, Kenny Stills in the slot, Albert Wilson as the flanker to the strong side of the formation And I think I'll just go ahead and put Devontae Parker back in there for Jakeem Grant just because he offers more of a rebounder, more of a short area type of guy that can big body guys out of position on that boundary receiver spot. But I think him and Jakeem Grant offer a very good mix over there on that side, and it could be a good rotation for those guys. Danny Amendola is obviously going to get a lot of work this year. But I just don't know how to separate this receiving crew and who's going to be the ones that play the most. The only one that I really have a strong assertion about is that Kenny Stills is going to be the only guy that plays 80 plus percent of the snaps. I think everybody else will get rotated in and there will be a very good mix of players. They can do different things and play all the positions. So nonetheless, I am very excited about this group. I think this offense is going to be awesome. Good to hear they got it fixed today after a bad day on Tuesday as far as practice goes. As far as personal news, it is softball night tonight. I cannot wait. It's been two weeks. We had a bye week. I'm about to head off down there to the field here shortly. We are 4-0 coming out of the gate, swinging a red hot bat. Yours truly is playing that shortstop second base and top of the order role. So getting my D Gordon on as the Seattle Mariners are doing their thing. 14-3 in the last seven games, two games up on the Houston Astros, very much into baseball this summer, getting us through before football season as we are under 100 days to go. We've got one more day of practice this week to cover for tomorrow, but as for today's podcast... And I have to jump in and make a quick edit on the podcast here for you guys really quickly. Sounds like the Dolphins have locked up three more rookies with contracts. Jerome Baker, Durham Smythe, and Kalen Balage, all under contract for the Dolphins. So good news heading forward. We also have a piece on LockedOnDolphins.com getting more into Matt Brooks' press availability. That was written by Jason Harina, one of our top news guys at the site. So you guys can check that out. And now we can officially wrap up the podcast, as that will do it for this edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. You guys, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at lethalNFL. Follow the show at Lockdown Fins and follow our flagship show at Lockdown NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a terrific rest of your Thursday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow to wrap up the week. On the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.